0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on everybody? I'm Trevor Noah and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Wednesday, June 9th. And the thing everybody's talking about today is that apparently LeBron James is switching his jersey number from 23 back to number six starting next season. And everybody is freaking out about this. But guys, if you ask me, the NBA shouldn't even have these players wearing numbers on their jerseys anymore. They have their name right there, and especially LeBron. I mean, I don't think the ref is ever looking over at him like, oh, who's that guy who looks exactly like LeBron? Oh, it's number six, that is LeBron. Yeah, guys, LeBron doesn't need a number anymore. He's so big at this point that if anything, the number six should be wearing him. Not to mention, the number is the least interesting thing about your jersey that you can change. People are like, this is big news, oh, this is big news. Yo, call me when LeBron changes his name to Gary. Or call me when LeBron changes his Lakers jersey to a Knicks jersey. Or call me when the Knicks change their name to LeBron's and Gary, who used to be LeBron, joins that team. Or oh, LeBron, just call me, man, let's hang out. Anyway, on tonight's show, a yearbook scandal almost as bad as your senior photo, how you're paying for Jeff Bezos' child support, and why America, badly needs to lay some pipe. So, let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
1: From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world. This is The Daily Social Distancing
0: Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. All right, let's kick things off with insects. They're like aliens that you can kill with a shoe. It has been about a month since the brood 10 cicada swarm emerged in the Eastern United States. And it turns out their charm is quickly wearing off. A cicada is being blamed for causing an Ohio car accident. Cincinnati police say that
2: one of the insects flew through an open car window Monday, hitting the driver in the face. The car drove off the road and then crashed into a utility pole. Cicadas grounding the White House press corps flight as they attempted to fly to Europe for President Biden's first foreign trip. The pesky insects apparently the blame for mechanical issues on the plane. Before
1: boarding Air Force One, the president had to swat away a pretty big cicada that landed on
0: his neck. My job with the cicadas. I just got one, the got me. Oh shit, a cicada got Joe Biden? Oh man, I'm no scientist, but I'm pretty sure that that means Joe Biden is now gonna turn into a cicada. My fellow Americans, the State of the Union is and for people living in areas where these cicadas have taken over, they're basically ruining your life. I mean, you walk out your door, they're all over your lawn. You drive to work, they're running your car off the road. You stumble home and they're in bed with your spouse. Oh, come on, honey, a cicada? He's 17. Moving on now to some personal finance news. If you hate paying taxes, well, first of all, congratulations on being basic and also congratulations on being a billionaire.
1: A bombshell report by ProPublica reveals just how little the wealthiest Americans have been paying in taxes. ProPublica obtained more than 15 years of never-before-seen IRS information about the 25 richest Americans and found that sometimes they paid little or no federal income taxes.
2: In 2018, for example, ProPublica found Elon Musk paid no federal income tax. Neither did Jeff Bezos in 2007 or 2011, the same year he claimed a $4,000 child tax credit, and renowned investor Warren Buffett avoided the most tax of any of the billionaires ProPublica looked at, according to the report.
1: As shocking as it is, nothing that they did is illegal. Everything that they did is in keeping with our tax code, and the basic reason is we tax
2: income, not wealth. Rich people often grow their fortunes through stocks, real estate, or companies, so they don't have to pay taxes until they sell. And they can offset their income in other ways too, meaning it's legal to be worth a lot
0: and pay a little. Ooh-wee, it's good to be a billionaire. I mean, imagine being so rich that you can afford accountants who make you look poor. Think about it, Jeff Bezos is so good at hiding his wealth that he qualified for a child tax credit. This dude built his own rocket to take him to space. And the U.S. government is like, hey, brother, here's something for the kids until you can get back on your feet. Hard times, Jeff. And yeah, this is something that everyone already suspected, but it's still shocking to see proof right in front of you. It's the difference between knowing how hot dogs are made and watching them put the puppies in the machines. Yo, that's crazy. Well, then what was I eating? And the thing is, much like wearing cargo shorts to the pride parade, these tax loopholes are both messed up and completely legal. So if you wanna change the system, then you need to take action and write to your congressperson. Then your congressperson can hold your letter in one hand and the campaign check from the billionaire in the other hand and decide which one they want to wipe their ass with. And finally, it's almost the end of the school year in most of America. Seniors are trying on their caps and gowns, getting formal face masks for their socially distanced proms and forming new lifelong relationships with their student loans. But some Florida students who are expecting to get their senior yearbooks this week will have to wait just a little longer.
1: A South Florida high school now facing questions today after it stopped selling yearbooks with pages dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. Students at the West Broward High School added a two-page feature on how the school responded to the movement. But after some parents complained, the school stopped selling it.
2: Teachers and parents reportedly complained that there were not any opposing views. Those that complained said that the yearbook should have mentioned something more like Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. Hmm.
0: People, people, calm down. It's silly to get this angry over two pages in a book that you're just gonna throw in the attic for 40 years and then only whip out to prove to your granddaughter you were once hot. And as far as I know, your books don't usually have opposing views. There's no least likely to succeed. You don't see a page that says, congratulations, Poetry Club, on a great year. And then the next page that says, eat shit, Poetry Club, express yourself in a narrative form or get the out of here. Oh, and by the way, isn't it amazing how people always tell on themselves? Because the opposing view to Black Lives Matter is not blue lives matter or all lives matter, it's black lives don't matter. Yeah, and if you wanna see that opinion represented, you don't need a yearbook, just look in a history book. But let's move on now to our main story. For weeks now, President Biden has been negotiating with Republicans over a giant bill to fix America's aging infrastructure. And the two sides are having trouble coming to an agreement, mostly because Biden wants to pay for the bill by raising taxes on corporations and the super rich. And Republicans want to pay for it by selling tickets to Trump's surprise re-inauguration in August. And hopefully they can figure things out soon because there's one particular part of America's infrastructure that's truly garbage right now. And I'm talking about America's water system. The question is, why is it that bad? Well, let's find out in another edition of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. Water, it's Mike Pence's favorite soup. Water is one of the essentials for human survival, along with food, air, and the new Olivia Rodrigo album, which just, guys, she gets me, y'all. Just... But as important as it is, In America, the infrastructure that transports the water is breaking down faster than me listening to the Olivia Rodrigo album.
2: (laughs) It's an issue that's tough to see, literally, water problems. Often they go unnoticed until it's too late, but it's a problem that's getting worse across the country with aging infrastructure.
1: The nation's water infrastructure system gets a grade of D by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Thousands of dams and levees are on the
0: brink of failure. Our water infrastructure all over the country is literally hitting a breaking point everywhere. The last time there was a major rehaul of water infrastructure, creating these new pipes and systems was about 1945.
1: For sewer and water systems, we're living off uh, systems. that are actually some of them built in the 19th century.
0: In at least 545 municipalities across the country, there are cast iron pipes that are now more than 100 years old. The aging infrastructure has led to a point where a water main breaks somewhere in this country every two minutes. God damn, people a pipe is bursting every two minutes? If America were a person, it would have to wear Depends. America's water pipes are so bad that they got a D from the infrastructure experts. And keep in mind, a pipe that gets an F is just a puddle of water. And it's not surprising that these pipes are falling apart because some of them have been around since the 19th century. So not only are they failing, but they're also probably a little racist. I mean, I guess on the bright side though, this is, definitely keeping America's enemies from invading. You know, North Korea is probably looking at America like, "The layout is nice, but the plumbing is a disaster." I mean, it's it's just not worth the gut renovation, I don't know, guys. And look, people, unless you live in Mario World, you probably don't spend a lot of your time thinking about pipes. But you should, because when the pipes that carry America's water become old and busted, the effects can be pretty drastic.
1: Our aging water infrastructure systems are making clean, safe drinking water unreliable in many parts of this country. The National Resources Defense Council estimates 30 million Americans drink community water that contains lead and five and a half million get water that exceeds the EPA's maximum levels. Go east, and in places like North Carolina, water has been contaminated by coal ash. Go west, it's nitrates from fertilizers.
2: So we have blue water here.
1: We've let our water system just dilapidate to the point of collapse. It's
2: like third world country here. Our wastewater systems are crumbling. People are living with sewage water and sewage in their streets, in their backyards.
1: The city of Fort Lauderdale, rushing to clean up more than 200 million gallons of toxic sewage, flooding the streets, seeping into houses, and spilling into waterways. Rivers of raw sewage flowing down streets in Ventnor. It's really gross. It stinks real bad. I can't move my car. I'm not putting my car in there. That is a lake if I ever saw
0: one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that poor guy. What a bad deal to live next to a shit lake. If I was him, I'd try and sell that house ASAP. That's right. I'm selling some lakefront property. Oh, cool. What lake? Man, it's a lake. Do you want it or not? And shit lakes aside, did you see that gross blue water? I don't care where you live, taking a bath should never turn into a surprise gender reveal. And by the way, can America please stop comparing all of its failures to the third world? Because every time there's an infrastructure problem or an insurrection, Americans are like, this is just like a third world country. This is a third world country. No, guys, it's not cool, all right? Because you don't hear Africans comparing their school shootings to America. They don't do that. You know why? Because Africa doesn't have school shootings. Yeah, all our children are soldiers. So how did America's water system end up this way in the first place? Well, basically, a lot of people in the past decided that rather than fixing a bunch of little problems back then, it would be easier to wait for them to become big problems and then leave them to us.
1: Infrastructure is not particularly sexy. You know, it's something that seems easy to be, to kick from one year to the next and suddenly you look up and it's been 30 years. According to the American Society of Civil Engineers, the federal government's capital spending on water infrastructure has dropped from 63% in 1977 to 9% in 2017.
2: Repairing, improving, maintaining
1: the nation's water systems requires big money. The American Water Works Association estimates it will take a trillion dollars for drinking water alone. As costs to
0: fix the systems continue to rise. Investment in water infrastructure has increasingly fallen to state and local governments over the past few decades. The problem is that cities are burdened by debt and don't have the money to fix pipes. Milwaukee has a program to split
2: the cost of replacing lead pipes with homeowners. But so far, only 1% has been done.
1: The city is trying to replace 70,000 lead laterals
0: and at a pace at about a thousand a year, it would take 70 years. All right, you gotta be kidding me. 70 years? In 70 years, we won't even need pipes. we will probably just absorb water through NFTs or something. Yeah, I don't actually understand what they are because I'm like, what do you mean I don't own the art? The only other time you hear something's gonna take 70 years to fix is when you're on the phone with your cable company. Yeah, we can get a guy to come check out your router in 2091. Does any time between 11 p.m. and 3 p.m. work for you? What? I'll be dead by then. Do you want the appointment or not, sir? Okay, I'll take it. And you know, as crazy as this is, I actually get why politicians never want to spend money on pipes, because it's expensive and it's boring. I mean, think about it. If you open a new stadium, you get to hold a press conference there, you know, with a big ribbon cutting, it's flashy. But how are you supposed to celebrate a new sewage pipe, huh? Well, you invite the press to watch you take a huge dump at City Hall? Well, it's actually not a bad idea. But the reason this has gotten so bad and so expensive is because they waited so long to fix it. You see, people, you have to address problems when they come up or they just get worse. And that goes for everything. Infrastructure, relationships, hell, even this mole that I probably should have gotten checked out before it grew into its own person. Oh, it's fine, buddy. You can probably put it up for another 10 years. You know what, you're right, mole. I love this guy. And while the water situation is pretty poor across the entire United States, there's one group of people in the U.S. who are getting the shortest, dirtiest, most lead-covered end of the stick. And you can probably guess who it is, right? Who? Who? There is a, a close correlation uh, between race and economics and whether or not you have clean
1: water in the United States of America.
2: Newark is a largely poor, mostly black and Hispanic city,
0: and its lead levels are among the highest in the U.S. for large water systems. Some houses here tested four times the federal limit.
1: Much of Mississippi's largest city is beginning its fourth week without safe drinking water coming out of faucets. Jackson residents, about 80% of whom are black, remain under a system-wide order to boil water. For the past eight years, Keystone, West Virginia has been under a boil water advisory eight years. It's so common, it doesn't even
0: make headlines anymore. You can run the water sometime, and it's as brown as I am. Good Lord, the water is as brown as I am? I mean, when people were asking for more black representation, they weren't talking about the water supply, I know that. And this is extremely messed up that so many black people in America don't have access to clean drinking water. I mean, I know reparations might not happen anytime soon, but maybe America can start with a water filter. I will say, though, it's impressive how even with this shitty water supply, blacks still don't crack. Can you imagine how good black people would look with proper hydration? Hoo-wee. So, there you have it. America's water systems are on the verge of collapse, and the country needs to start fixing them now. This isn't a problem that can be kicked down the road anymore, people, especially when that road is buried six feet under shit lake. And if you don't know, now you know. All right, when we come back, Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa go head-to-head on all the latest sports news, so don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. The world is emerging from the pandemic slowly, and sports are no exception. So here to catch us up on all the latest sports news is Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa in another edition of I Apologize for Talking while you were talking,
1: what's up, sports fans? He's Roy Wood Jr. I'm Michael Costa. Roy, it's summer, and you know what that means. I sure do, Costa. You're drunk on White Claw. Yes, and it also means that sports are heating up.
3: Yes, they are. Baseball's in full swing, the hockey playoffs are underway. Phil Mickelson won the Masters despite being so old that technically he died several years ago.
1: It's impressive, but all eyes Roy are on tennis and the superstar missing from the French Open. After boycotting a press conference and revealing her battle with depression, tennis star Naomi Osaka is out of the French Open by choice. Before the tournament even began, she had announced on social media she would opt out of press during the French Open, saying she's not going to subject herself to people that doubt her. Then Sunday, Osaka skipped her post-match news conference and was slapped with a $15,000 fine and a warning. But she announced on Twitter Monday the best thing for the tournament, the other players, and her own well being would be if she withdraws altogether.
3: Mm, Naomi Osaka, that's my girl, Costa. Not only did she put her mental health first and showed the world that athletes struggle with depression, too, she also embarrassed French people. Serves them right. Screw the French, Costa. Hey, 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 I, I know you're
1: just saying that because you got kicked out of mime school, Roy. They weren't ready for a talking mime. I'm in a box. Yeah, it still doesn't work. I, I I think the French Open had a point here, Roy. You can't let some players get out of their obligations and force other players to do it. If you let tennis players skip out of the post-match press conference, next thing you know they'll be skipping out on serving the ball or, or lobbing. Then the whole sport is just two people staring at each other and grunting loudly. Uh!
3: Uh! 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 uh. Uh, uh, We're not talking about the game, we're talking about the post-match press conference. Who cares about that shit? Athletes have never said anything interesting after the game. Oh, I lost because I didn't score enough points. There's never been an interview where an athlete's been like, well, I know who killed Jeffrey Epstein. Tune in after the next match to find out more. That is a fair
1: point, so I'm gonna give it to you. But let's move on from the tennis octagon to the boxing
3: diamond. Oh my god, you are drunk.
1: Well that, and I never learned shapes. The point is, over the weekend we saw one of the weirdest boxing matches in recent history.
2: It wasn't the knockout many boxing experts predicted as YouTube celebrity Logan Paul went the eight round distance with former multi-time world champion Floyd Mayweather. The two squared off last night in Miami.
3: The Florida State Boxing Commission
1: didn't sanction the fight because of the size and skill level disparities. Mayweather made at least 10 million bucks just for participating, and then he got 50% of the pay-per-view buys. He
3: could get as much as $100 million. Uh, come on. How do you go pretend this was a real fight, Costa. It was a retiree versus a YouTube celebrity. This wasn't a boxing match, it was a boxing match. I don't understand
1: sign language, Roy, and I don't get your point. Maybe it didn't follow your beloved Marquis de Sade rules, but two men punching each other in the face is a fight.
3: Dude, the Florida State Boxing Commission didn't even sanction this fight. The state of Florida thinks your fight isn't legit, you know something's up. Let's wrap this up with some basketball. The NBA playoffs are heating up, Castor. That's right. The Jazz are looking good. The
1: Nets are dominating and the Knicks are back to their natural state of not being in the playoffs. But the big story here, LeBron James and the reigning champs were kicked out faster than me in a Chipotle. They aren't kidding about that lifetime ban thing, Roy. Got to respect
3: it. Yo, this really sucks for the King, but at least now he's free to play for Team USA in the Olympics this summer. Oh. I wouldn't count on it, Roy. In a press conference after the game, LeBron was asked about his plans for the summer. Will he play for Team USA in the Olympics? I think I'm going to play for the Toon Squad this summer instead of the Olympics. Um, I think that's what I'm. That's my focus on, on trying to beat the Goon Squad. I'm going to let the ankle rest for about a month, and then I'm uh, going to gear with, with uh, Lola, Taz, Granny, Bugs, um, you know, and the rest of the crew. Come on, LeBron. Look, I don't know what's worse, bailing on the Olympics to promote some movie or giving granny a shout out in a press conference. Nobody cares about granny. Oh, you keep granny's
1: name out of your mouth, Roy. Have you seen my back tattoo? It's a massive granny tramp stamp. And who cares if LeBron's not competing at the Olympics? Nobody watches the Olympics to watch basketball. You watch to see all the less popular sports. You know, running, jumping, running
3: and jumping, jumping into the water, horizontal running in water. Look, My point is, Olympic basketball is way more important than movie basketball. I don't want to watch LeBron dunk on some two-dimensional cartoon. I want to watch LeBron dunk on some Italian player who doesn't even come up to his nipples. But this just proves my point on why we need
1: post-game press conferences, Roy. Without them, we wouldn't know that LeBron James wants everyone to come see his movie. That's invaluable information.
3: Unbelievable. Back to you, Trevor. Costa. you seriously don't know shapes? It's called being shape-blind, Roy, look it up, okay? What What shape is this? What shape is that?
0: Purple. That's purple, I know that. Roy, you still there? Thank you so much for that, guys. All right, when we come back, the talented and hilarious Yvonne Orgy will be joining me on the show to tell me how she was tricked by God. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. My guest tonight is actor and comedian Yvonne Orji, who plays Molly on Insecure. She's here to talk about the show's final season, her new memoir, and how God tricked her into the life of her dreams. Yvonne Orji, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
2: (laughs) It is my complete pleasure.
0: Um, there are so many things I want to talk to you about today, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try put them, I'm gonna put them together. We've got a book to talk about. I want to talk to you a little bit about Insecure. I want to talk to you about your stand-up. Um, but first things first, I actually want to talk to you about dance like a Nigerian. This is a, a new, a new trend that I saw you start on TikTok. And I want to know, I want to know what are the fundamentals to dancing like a Nigerian?
2: Well, as you saw from the TikTok video, you gotta have the meme mug. If you don't have the, to... The, the face that looks like the rice is not well done yeah that there you go and you got trevor, I mean you gotta you gotta mean it and then you got the shoulders and, uh-huh. and hey and you gotta like you know just wind it, small small look at you you're doing it uncle trevor <laughs>
0: Okay, okay, okay. I, I, Cause I was just wondering, I was like, I was like, is it the face? I was like, I feel like the face is important. I feel like the hands are important. The hips are doing the thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like literally when I started, I was like, is this the thing? And then the more I was doing it, I was like, is this, is this, am I doing the right thing here? Can you feel, can you feel it? Am I becoming Nigerian as I'm doing it? And
2: you are, and you have to have <laughs> strong knees. It's all you about do. the knees.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's why I quit. I realized my knees weren't strong enough to carry on. And, and so I stopped. Um, is, but welcome.
2: <laughs> what is a dance like a South African? What does that look like?
0: Oh, no, that one, we can't do that on TV. Though That one is like, yeah, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about the book, Yvonne. Um, you know, a lot of people know you from Insecure. A lot of people know you from your stand-up. Hilarious, hilarious, hilarious stand-up. But now I'm excited for people to learn about you as an author with your new book, which has one of the greatest titles I've ever seen, Bamboozled by Jesus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me why you chose that title.
2: Because, you know, when I was thinking about, like, my life and how God has taken me from the, the Nigerian standard of medical school or engineering to the Nigerian uh, anomaly of comedian, I, I think of that scene when Danzel, uh, I think, was, it, was it, uh, it the Spike Lee movie? And he was like, I mean, we've been bamboozled. It was Michael Max. We've been bamboozled. Run amok, us stray, And I'm like, yo, fam, I feel like God bamboozled me because I didn't have a background in comedy. And he was like, do comedy. And I was like, you don't know me. You don't know my life. And then I was like, well, maybe you do. And then to get to the other side of it where now I'm a, an Emmy-nominated actress on a comedy show and then I right. have a special. So yeah, I think it fits. So when I thought about the title, I was like, bamboozled by Jesus. But then for the church people that may get mad at me, I have to have the subtitle how God tricked me into the life of my dreams.
0: You've always been proud to talk about your religion and how it affects your life and where you're trying to go in the world. And, like, you aren't one of those celebrities who only thanks God when you win an award, you know? And and what I found really fascinating about it is, I was just like, man, I was like, Yvonne is really, really, really religious, but she's also really, really, really cool, which is not something that people always attach to religion. Why is religion so important in your life?
2: So, for me, I don't think fun and faith are oxymoron. Like, I... God and I, like, we cool, we kick it. He get on my nerves, I get on his nerves. It's like, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine, really, but he, he knows who he made. And so for me, I'm able to have a relationship where he is, like, my best friend. And, like, with most best friends in real life, I mean, y'all watch the show, Issa and Molly, they're cool, they kick it, but they have B. Um, and for as long as it took for my career to pop, I had, I had a couple years of beef with Jesus. I was like, you know what, we, can you not talk to me? Can you not talk to me right now? Because nothing's working out. So, uh, so that's I talk about that in the book about how you can have a real relationship that is fun, and you can right. invite, him, bring him into every aspect of your life without having to compromise.
0: You, you've, you've done that seamlessly, in my opinion, you know? I mean, the book is fantastic. Even, like, the first line, just literally, you open a book, and you the, the line, if I paraphrase it, is you say, I was, I was born holding my mom's IUD in my hand. I mean, already, it's just like, we're in, we're off to the races, and you, you, know, you infuse religion, you talk about your life, you, you infuse Nigerian family stories, and all, of, all of it is amazing, and, and, and I loved it because it gave me an insight into how you live your world, you know, what Insecure has done for you. What is the future for Yvonne? Because I mean, you're doing so many things and I know you're gonna be developing shows. What are you excited to do next?
2: Uh, well, you know, you're hitting me at a very nostalgic moment right now. Tomorrow is my actual last day filming Insecure forever and wow. ever. Wow. So it is, yeah, I'm, I'm preparing my my eye ducts for all the tears that will flow. Um, but it's been an amazing ride. Issa Rae is a gem of a human being. I owe so much to her. Um. And what's next, you know, I'm doing this show uh, that's gonna be executive produced by David Yellow and f mm-hmm. uh called First Gen. Uh, and it's gonna be talking about the immigrant experience, you know, living the world with this dual experience, but not in the way where a lot of immigrant shows are like, we denounce the place we came from, and so we're right, gonna- right, right. Nah, cause I'm like, there's a lot of good things about Nigeria, there's a lot of bad things about Nigeria. There's a lot of good things right. about America, there's a lot of not so great things about America. But I- Hold
0: on, we're gonna hold for a second. We've lost Yvonne. Uh oh. Can you see me? Oh, they no, can't. See no, me. no, we can't see you, but we can hear you. Here we go. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, wait. So, wait, did you switch cameras on me? We did. We had to because I don't know what's going on with the first one. So here we are. Like, you know, there's there's parts of of making a show in a pandemic that I'm I'm going to miss, and then there are many parts that I won't. But I, I now I'm fascinated by where you are. Like, what is that chair? This is, is it a this chair? Is, it's a chair, but I got it.
2: I did a whole setup for my book tour driver because I'm not journeying. So I bought this like huge green crushed velvet situation. I love it. Created like a seven foot backdrop of my book cover. <laughs> <laughs> did you know? Why wouldn't I?
0: As, as, as you as you prepare to say goodbye to Insecure, you know, a lot of people are gonna be sad because it told stories in, in, in a style that so few of us have seen before, and it allowed black women to be black women, unapologetically, in every shape and form that they beautifully exist in. I'd love to know what you are gonna miss most about Insecure. Like, obviously it changed your life as a person, but I'm saying as a show and as a story, what are you gonna miss most?
2: Trevor, it's very rare that you get to, as a black female actress, work in on a show that is literally created for you by folks who look like you and are supported. Um, you know, in these last couple of days, you know, me, Jay, Issa, we we even looking at each other like, this, is can, can we repeat this? Like, does this happen? And like, what's next for us? Like, you know, like right. when you when you. When you're first when the first meal you eat is no boo you can't go back to you know, you can't go, like, just regular seaweed you're like no where's the sliced uh, yellowtail you're like it's we our palate was heightened and we came out the you know came out the gate hot and with good people and with a phenomenal home in HBO so we're all kind of looking at each other like I mean I know we got other stuff to do next but like will we ever have this again? And I think for me, that's a special thing to have the camaraderie, to have like the friendship. So I'm, I'm gonna miss everything. There's, I can't take one thing out because they're all part of the equation. And I don't want to start crying on your show, Trevor. I'm just, I'm trying to keep it light. Okay, I'm trying to keep it light.
0: <laughs> we keep it light. We save the tears for your last day on filming. And uh, we, ca- we can't wait to see what the next season's gonna be like. Congratulations on the new book. Congratulations on the on the television show you're developing with Disney Plus. Congratulations on Insecure. We thank you. It was
2: such a pleasure and I want to see your TikTok video on how to dance like a Nigerian.
0: Oh. This week. You know, you know I got this, huh? You know it's coming, huh?
2: You gotta do the face.
0: You don't you don't think it's coming? It's coming, huh? Don't worry about me, Yvonne. It's coming, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: so <still> done. I'm still <laughs> dumb.
0: Take bye, care, bye, girl. Bye. 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 All right, don't forget, people. Yvonne's memoir, Bamboozled by Jesus, is available right now. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, please consider supporting an organization called the Brave Space Alliance. They're a black-led, trans-led, LGBTQ plus center on the south side of Chicago. And your donation helps them provide life-saving resources like support groups, HIV prevention options, and housing and food services for the entire LGBTQ community of Chicago. If you are able to help in any way, then please click the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if the water's yellow, let it mellow. If the water's blue, you probably should repair your infrastructure, man. That shit's gonna get you.